Okay, I know I always say how excited I am about our guests here on the Isle of Misfits, and, and I am, but today I am super duper excited because I have the pleasure of chatting with someone I chatted with about a year ago. And the exciting part is that she actually wants to chat with me again. And uh, see, yeah, she's, I'm just really, really excited. Her name is Elizabeth Thompson, and she has this cool blog called Lizzie Life, and she writes cool books, like the one we talked about last year called When God Says Wait. And she writes brand new books, like the one we're here to talk about today called When God Says Go. And I can't wait to talk about it. But first, welcomes are in order. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to talking to you again. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I was going to say welcome back to the Isle of Misfits. But I believe the last time we chatted, we didn't even have that official name yet. So, um, in fact, I went back and I re-listened to our conversation. And Mm -hmm. it, it may very well be that the seed of our name was germinated in that discussion because um I think I said really? some, yeah yeah because I think I said something about living on the Isle of Misfit Toys um which is one of my things that I just say um but I said that <laughs> during our conversation and the rest as they say is history so thanks oh. well I'm so thrilled if I played some m- minute role in inspiring your new venture that's very exciting <laughs> well I think it was a light bulb moment that stayed with me so thank you so much for having a hand in that Well, you're welcome anytime. You know, if you need inspiration for future things, just, you know, give me a call. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to write that down. All right. (laughs) Note to myself. So, all right. So, so the first thing I got to ask you is like, okay, so what is new since the last time we talked aside from your book, of course, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a fun, busy year. I know. Uh, let's see. Since then, obviously, my kids are a year older, which means I have three preteens living in my house at the same oh, time. Congratulations! <laughs> and I'm surviving. Good job. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk again when they're all teenagers. I may I may sound a little more haggard, but um, actually, I love it. I, you know, to me, preteens are, are those. That's like the Isle of Misfits years, I guess you could say. Oh, and they're um, great so years, though. Navigating that with them is really fun and challenging, and I don't know. It's every day is something new, something absolutely. Pray over. <laughs> yes. Well, those, I like to call them the earnest years. In fact, that's maybe the first time I've actually said it, but it just makes sense. Like those preteen, mm-hmm. early teen years, there's so much earnestness there. Yes. Yes. And they're just so much in the middle of like figuring out who they are and who they want to be and who, who are their friends and everybody's kind of confused and, but they're also just Fun and they they make me laugh. So I don't know. It's it's a fun time. We're we're thoroughly enjoying it. You know, kind of taking it a day at a time, in between work and books and all that kind of stuff. It's we just have fun with our family. So I'm grateful for it. That's great. So truly, those congratulations were sincere because I think that's a wonderful thing that you're oh, you. that you're nurturing a passel of pre preteens and well no no they're not preteens. They're regular teens, so. Yes, well, well, preteens now. Yeah. One, one will be thirteen in December. So then we'll we'll enter that whole new stage. So awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right. So 
so, and I'm sure there, yeah, in the course of a year, many things happen. And one of the things has been this new book that you've written. So um, I want to talk all about it. But first, but first, my friend, um, there's something we didn't do the last time you were on the aisle, the pre-aisle of Misfits. That, the pre-aisle. Um, <laughs> so we, we, have to, we have to make that right today. So um, I would like to invite you to play a stupid game with me. All right. I love stupid games. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> I am so glad to hear you say that. Okay. Well, this stupid game is, uh, is as always, custom made for our guests. And today, your stupid game is, uh, is based on something that I've learned about you um, and really anyone who's read your blog knows this about you. You seem to be a fan of Starbucks. Am, am I correct? I am. I am. It, it might even be like a problem. I just really love Starbucks. It's, it might be a slight addiction of mine. It's where I write, um, you know, so I spend many, many an hour in Starbucks. <laughs> okay. So you're a frequent flyer. You have a Starbucks problem and we're going to exploit that today. Oh, great. Yeah, awesome. So, exactly. Exploit away. <laughs> All right. It'll be, it'll be short and sweet and hopefully relatively painless. So the way this game, so we're calling it Starbucks Mania just because I couldn't think of a better name, but you know, that, that seems to fit. And it's very simple. So I'm going to give you three facts about Starbucks that I pulled off okay. of Business Insider. So they're true facts because it was on the internet. So you know how that oh, goes. Oh, always yeah. true. Okay. Um, so there are three facts, but one of them actually is not true. So your okay. job is to tell me which one I'm making up. Oh boy. Okay. Or, or slightly skewing. That could be, you know, it could that could be the case. That's All right. Okay. So are you ready? I am ready. All right. Fact number 1. There are 20,000 possible drink combinations at Starbucks. So hold on to that. Just meditate okay. on that. 20,000 drink combinations. Number 2. The owners almost went with the name Pequod, the name of the boat in Moby Dick. Huh. Instead of the character Starbucks. Okay. And oh, okay. by the way, no fair Googling while you're taking this. <laughs> I'm not Googling, I All promise. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. And number three, the Starbucks cinnamon chip scone has more calories than a McDonald's quarter pounder. There you go. Oh All right. So you tell me which one Ooh. am I making up? Okay. Pequod. So specific that that sounds like it would be true. Uh, see, I could believe that there are twenty thousand is a lot. Hmm. I'm gonna say number three is not true. I don't know. Well, and you know what? That's what I would have said too because that's just depressing to think that a scone could have more calories. <laughs> oh no. McDonald's. But, you know, actually, so you and I are, we're, you know, we're simpatico there. But um, actually, it was number one. Oh, The number okay. is 87,000. Oh, I what? know. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? I am not <laughs> kidding you. At least this is what the Internet says. And as we've already established, oh. we have to believe the Internet. We have to believe it. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, wow, that's a lot, though. I mean, once you incorporate all the different adding shots and all the different 
variations on the theme, but right. wow. They, they must have I mean, actuaries. I, people make fun of me. When they hear my order, it's a venti half-calf two-pump mocha with light whip, and I get a lot of grief for that. But I always tell them, it could be more specific. I've heard worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think there was like a, a Frasier episode where like the order went on for like two and a half minutes. But um, yeah. <laughs> but, but hey, that's what Starbucks is for. It's there. That's right. Have it your way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See, and that's why McDonald's is mad that they beat them on the calorie thing because they, they also stole that. Uh, well, no, that was Burger King. So sorry. Burger but, King. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, so McDonald's, they're, they're out. Starbucks is, is in. So, all right. But, you know, in the end, you really were right because there are at least 20,000 possible drink combinations. So see, you, <laughs> At least. You did well. So you did a <laughs> fine job, and I'm giving you the exact same answer that I give to all of my guests who dare play my stupid games with me. As soon as I have Isle of Misfit t-shirts, I'm, I'm sending one your way, my friend. That's all oh, there is to it. I will wear it with pride. And I don't know when that will be, but I'll let you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Excellent job. So let's dive right in. Um, I want to talk about this book. So in fact, um, all right, previously in Elizabeth Thompson book writing world, we -hmm. were talking about waiting. And (laughs) oh, what fun that topic is. Right. So and as much fun as that is, now we're talking about okay we're not waiting anymore now we're going so all right tell me a little bit about all right how do we go from waiting to going what's what's going on there oh goodness well in in a it's funny i feel like these books are kind of opposites not you know i mean there's very much common themes in both of them but they are addressing these opposite places in life you know waiting is this time of inertia where you feel stuck and you're like desperate to find some sort of forward motion when you feel like your life isn't going anywhere. And then there are those other times in life when you feel like God is moving faster than you are and you're just sprinting trying to catch up with the change in your life or his plans for your life or you know, whatever is going on. And you're just like, wait, I might want to go back to that nice calm waiting period again. Right. <laughs> so, Yeah, so this book is really about those times in your life when you're just feeling pushed forward by God. And and sometimes that means actual forward motion. You're moving, you're changing jobs, your life is different in some way. Sometimes it just means spiritually speaking, you're being shoved out of your comfort zone and you're being forced to grow in ways that you might not want to grow right now. Right, right. And so for me, I have to say this transition from waiting to going, I I see it as almost two sides of the same coin because, you know, the the waiting, yeah, uh, uh, I got to wait. I hate waiting. uh, You know, we talked about that, even waiting for, you know, your Starbucks order. Hey, five minutes, that's too long. Um, You know, we hate to wait. And yet there, there comes this rhythm with it, you know, when, when we finally, I don't know, give in or acquiesce or maybe the better spiritual term would be submit or surrender mm-hmm. to it, you know, and we and we become at peace with it, then there's this other side of the pendulum that we can fall on that, that comes when we, we kind of get used to it, right? You know, that, okay, mm-hmm. life is uneventful, I've gotten into this rhythm, I'm, you know, 
I'm a-okay with being on the Isle of Misfit Toys. Um, and then God says, okay, that's enough. Time to go. It's like, but, but wait, I, I like it here. <laughs> I think that's so true. And, you know, there are times when it's like, okay, nothing's really changing and we can get sort of comfortable with that. Or, or maybe we, like you said, we submit, we surrender, we sort of find a way to, to function and to feel purposeful in, you know, whatever situation we may feel stuck in. But then when God comes and says, okay, well now it's time for a change. We're like, but, wait, 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 wait. but that felt safe. Like at least I knew what I was doing there in that waiting place. And so when God pushes you into something new, it's scary. It's the unknown. It, it tests your faith in totally different ways. Exactly. And what do we do? We offer up excuses. No, this is, <laughs> this is not, this just isn't a good time for me, God. And I love, you know, some of the excuses that you, uh, you kind of pinpointed, you know, too, too young, too old, too afraid, too inexperienced, too shy, too rash, to this, to that. So, yeah. So talk a little bit about that because you, you draw out these excuses in, in some biblical stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is fascinating. If you really take the time to study some of these call stories in the Bible where God shows up and he calls one of our Bible heroes to something new, whether that be Moses or Gideon, Jeremiah, we've got these epic call stories in the Bible. And it's actually, and I don't say this disrespectfully, it's kind of comical the way that they all responded in a very similar way saying, but God, I'm to this, but God, I, and, and they sort of list all their, all the reasons why God shouldn't choose them. And, and I think that's what we all do when God calls us. We're like, but God, you know, have you not noticed? I know you're omniscient and all, but you know, you might've overlooked this weakness of mine, this, this way that I'm just not prepared for this. And, and God's answer in all of these call stories in scripture is I will be with you. And that's a powerful message that, you know, God's call has never been about us. He doesn't call us because we're so great and we're so prepared or spiritual or mature. He calls us because he's with us. And when he's with us, we're qualified for the call. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? You know, in fact, I'm holding your book right in front of me now. And I, I underlined a little section. I just want to read your whole book back to you, but you already know it. So, but I do, I do want to read a couple of lines just exactly on this topic. Um, You know, you, you start out by saying, I sit waiting with my humble face on waiting to be lifted up, waiting, waiting for God. He chose me, only me, wonderful me. And now I'm ready for a long speech from him, right? And what does he say? He says, I will be with you. And you're like, that's it? That's your entire speech? (laughs) And, and, you know, you're thinking, you know, I'm paraphrasing now, but, you know, I thought you were going to say it's because you chose me out of the whole bajillion other people in the world because I'm special. And God's answer is, don't you see, none of that matters. I will be with you. And then Mm -hmm. here's here's the, the punchline to me is you say, you mean I don't matter? And God says, of, of course you matter, but this isn't about you. It's about me. It's about me fulfilling my purpose through you. And to me, that that is probably the 
the linchpin for everything mm. else that you say in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really true. And, and it's one of those things that it's both humbling and tremendously relieving all at the same time. You know, it's humbling because we realize, oh, okay, it really is about God. It's about me losing myself in in Christ. You know, Paul put it, Christ is your life, that he becomes who we are. And we just say, okay, God, I'm yours. You do with me what you will. And whatever I lack, you will loan. Whatever I need, you will provide along the way. Um, but it's also so relieving because it really does take the pressure off because I'm, I'm a perfectionist and I, I feel like if I, if I'm not just completely perfect in everything God calls me to do, if I'm not totally prepared, then I've failed in some way. And he's like, that doesn't matter. The point is it's, it's about me and, and you're here and I've raised you up for this purpose and you and I are going to do this together. And, and cause I'm with you, it's going to be great. And that's so relieving for those of us who put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Oh, isn't it? I mean, because we, we do both things. We think, we think, it's, oh, well, it's got to be about my strengths. It's got to be because I'm special. Or <laughs> we, or the other side of that, and, you know, there's truth to that. And then the other side is, well, it's got to be because I'm such a loser. God wants to prove, you know, what, what he can do with a loser, you know. And then, and then the focus becomes on my weakness, right? Um mm-hmm. But both sides of those pendulum are still about me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's I'm either special or I'm a jerk, you know, um, which is true on both sides. But but it's really not about me mm-hmm. at all. Yep. And yep. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I love I love that you bring that out. It's so important. So I want to hear more from you about that. Yeah. I think it, this is one of those things you know, I think sort of culturally, we talk a lot about self-esteem and feeling good about yourself. And even as I'm raising my children, it's one of those things, because of course, I want them to be confident. I want them to feel great about themselves. They're in that stage, that preteen stage of constant self-doubt and self-criticism. And so, you know, there's always this, okay, well, how do we, how do we have self-esteem, but also realize, you know, it's about God. Like it, so we don't, you know, we, we do have flaws. We do have sins. We, we're, we don't handle everything just right. And, and so we can stop obsessing over all those things and just say, you know, hey, I'm just here to serve God and he's going to use me how he wills. And I'm going to give the best I have to give and he will make up the difference and he's going to be proud of me and he's going to be happy with that, you know, and just really making it a, a, putting our whatever pride and identity that we have in God instead of in ourselves and our, you know, how we view ourselves. Oh, yes. In fact, there's an old Keith Green song. I don't even know if you would remember Keith Green. but I do remember Keith Green. I grew up on him. Well, then, you know, back in the day, you just keep doing your best and pray that it's blessed and Jesus takes care of the rest. And it's slightly cheesy, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. So. Yep, it really is. It, it really is. And, and and for someone like me who puts a lot of pressure on herself, and I know there are a lot of other people who do that, that really is, I think, a relief. And I think it enables you, too, to let go of that constant feeling of, well, maybe God's not pleased with me. Maybe God's not proud. Maybe I'm not doing enough. And to say, you know, 
hey, I've, I've given my all to him. I'm, I'm letting him use me. Um, and he's going to be proud of that. And he is going to be happy with that. And I can feel happy. And I can feel happy about that. Right, right. And what if we really chose to live that way? Like, how would we live differently if that was just at the front of our consciousness all of the time? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that changes everything. It, it gives us just joy in all that we do. It gives us a tremendous sense of freedom. It, it eliminates so much of that, you know, constant doubting and questioning ourselves and questioning our every move and just makes it, makes it about God and not about us. You know, it really does change everything. It sure does. Um, so why don't we do this? You know, and I think you, you offer some thoughts about some of the reasons why we struggle to get to that place of really believing it and really living that way. And one of the things that you bring out is this, oh, this tag team, shame and fear. Um, in fact, uh, one of your quotes, uh, shame and fear want us to live trapped in an invisible box of our own creation. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact is that the longer we live our lives, the more mistakes we make and the more tempting it can be to live in this place of, of regret and shame and wishing we hadn't made some of the mistakes that we've made in the past and sort of limiting ourselves because of that and limiting our usefulness to God because of that. Um, and, and we really just cut ourselves off and we tell ourselves things like, well, God can't use me because I've got all this baggage or I can't speak for God because I've, I've made this mistake or my, you know, people look at me and they're going to think I'm a hypocrite because in the past I've done X, Y, Z. And, and we limit ourselves and, and limit our usefulness to God in ways that he has not. And, and, one of the things that really moved me as I explored the stories of these Bible characters was how many of them did stumble and fall and make big mistakes. And yet so many of them picked, you know, picked back up and God picked them back up and they were still able to be just powerfully used by him. I think the apostle Peter is a great example of someone who, you know, he, he betrayed Jesus uh, during the crucifixion. What a horrible memory and a wound on his own soul and yet God picked him up from that Jesus restored him he still got to lead God's people powerfully um, he escaped that prison of shame and fear that that it would have been so tempting to live in for the rest of his life yeah and isn't that amazing that you know we we read about that and we talk about it it's like well yeah of course that should be and yet I'm gonna it's true confession time here, and I don't think this is a character that you that you wrote about. Um, so sorry about that, but the one that pops into my head is um, is Abraham, and mm -hmm. I will. I'm just going to tell you this. This is ugly for me to admit it, but I sometimes get a little. I don't know, annoyed that he's it's like, oh, he's celebrated as this great man of faith in Hebrews. But I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. He screwed up. He lied. He did this. He did that. And mm -hmm. you have the nerve, Paul, to say he's, you know, this great man of faith. And first of all, it wasn't Paul. It was God calling him that. But, you know, mm -hmm. why, why do I get annoyed? Because he was an imperfect person that God still used for his glory. So shame on me. But, you know, I think we all do that. I mean, I've had thoughts like that. Absolutely. I, you know, thoughts where I'm like, wait, why is this person considered a Bible hero? What? Right. But I think 
maybe we can turn that around and say, you know what, that's actually really encouraging because it means that I, with all my mess and whatever mistakes I have made and whatever mistakes I have yet to make, God can still use me. And so maybe he's not as down on me as I think. And maybe he's more proud of me than I think. And maybe he can still use me in spite of myself. Um, you know, so maybe we can flip it around and, and, and then it becomes encouraging rather than frustrating. Exactly. You know, because as if I have anything on Abraham in any regard whatsoever. So, yes. And by that same token, I, I think I forget that because I do, you know, our, our tendency, or at least I'll speak for myself. My tendency is, you know, just that self-flagellation mode. Oh, I'm so stupid. You know, like that Chris Farley yeah. character. I'm so stupid. Um, but yeah, and, and we really should be encouraged because. God does not hold our weakness against us. Sure, yeah, there's that whole repentance dynamic that's pretty important, but right. the fact is God doesn't hold it against us. He uses us. Um, in fact, not just in spite of our weaknesses, You, another quote uh, from you, you know, God chose us because of our weaknesses. Yeah, and that's that's something that's been difficult for me to wrap my brain around. But, you know, I think we see that in Scripture. I mean, at Paul, you talked about Paul. Um, you know, he he had a violent history of, of in his zeal for God, misguided zeal, um, you know, persecuting Christians. And, and yet God chose him to really lead the way in, in, in converting the Gentiles and, and, and write most of the New Testament. And, and it's like, and Paul talks so often about, I'm the least of the apostles and I'm the least and the worst, the worst of sinners. And it's like God used that weakness for his own glory. Um, and like you said, it's not that there's not repentance involved. It's not that Paul didn't change. He did change. Um, and yet God, because of that weakness, was able, I think, to use him even more effectively, even more powerfully. Yeah, and as you said before, what, a, what an utter relief that is to know. Because again, it's not, about, it's not about our strengths, and it's not even about saying, oh, I'm such a jerk, I can't be used because of my weaknesses. It's, it's, about, it's about God. It's about his glory. It's about, you know, and he could do it without us if he wanted to, right? He doesn't need us. Which is an interesting sort of attention dichotomy thing because, you know, a lot of times I think we we say maybe this is a rabbit trail, but I don't know. We're going there. Um, we <laughs> we tend to say, oh, I've got to get out of the way, and I've got to, you know, I've got to completely get out of the way so God can be God. And okay, I get why we say that, but the fact is, God does want to work through us. So there there's something there's some reason that he doesn't want us to get out of the way. He, he wants to get in our way and mm -hmm. dwell within us. You know, we're not a, this empty void. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I think one of the things that I've tried to sort of wrap my brain more around the older I've gotten is that, you know, I think God enjoys each one of us. I, I love, you know, just the, the theme of your podcast, this Isle of Misfits, that, you know, God enjoys our quirks. He enjoys our unique um, set of gifts and interests and, you know, our little individual weirdnesses. And he can use those. Like, those make us uniquely um, useful to him. And maybe they make help us connect with people that, that, 
could no one else could connect with or they equip us to do a certain task that someone else wouldn't be able to do quite as effectively and 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 I think God takes joy in that and and we should take joy in that in in saying okay God here's all my stuff you use it how you want here's all my my unique quirks and and weirdnesses and and I offer them to you yes (laughs) we can and there's such a sense of partnership of 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 God working with us and through us to do whatever he has in mind. Yes, exactly, because there's an expression that comes through Elizabeth that God can't express through anybody else because of how uniquely he's wired you. And that's that's really it's more than a relief, really. It's it's exciting. It's it's the stuff of joy and freedom again if we really were to grasp this. So, all right. I want to I want to kind of segue into just a couple more things I want to draw out um, before I let you go until the next book you write. Um, you there's this great quote you you're talking about this moment. I think it's a friend of yours. Her name is Erin, and she's uh, contemplating diving right into this clear water spring. And um, so you have to read the book to get the context for it. But um, so we've gotten to this place where we're on the precipice of, of moving forward, right? And getting out of that comfort zone. Here's your quote. We don't want to go back, but we are too afraid to go forward. So it's being at that place of, all right, I haven't, I haven't dived in yet. Mm. Uh, I'm afraid, but I know I can't go back. And, and you, almost in that same passage, you, you talk about um, an almost come to Jesus moment. <laughs> so I, I want to hear a little more about that. <laughs> yes, um, I think there are so many times, and and you you feel those times so intensely when you you know that you're on the brink of change, and your life is about to be very different. And maybe that's through a choice that you're making, maybe it's just um, something that's completely out of your control, um, some kind of change or even loss in your life, and so you know you can't go back to the way that your life used to be, and you have to move forward. Um, and typically along with that change, there comes this time where we sort of have to come to Jesus and we have to, that's a phrase we use in the, in the South a lot. You got to have a come to Jesus and you, you have to really surrender things all over again to God and say, okay, I am scared to death and I don't know what all lies ahead, but I know you're going to catch me when I jump. And I'm going to give myself to you all over again. Um, you know, I think that's something I didn't expect when I became a Christian as a young teenager. And I kind of thought that by the time I was 40 years old, I'd have it all figured out and there would be no more change to be had and no more decisions to make. I'd be this perfect Christian. And Yeah. Oh, you mean that hasn't been your experience? Because that totally happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, well, uh, I, good for you. <laughs> but I, you know, yeah. I think I'm just always shocked when it's like, oh, well, I have to surrender my life to him again. Right. I have to make Jesus the Lord of my life again, because I have new things he needs to be Lord of. I have this new change in my life and I need to submit that part of my life to him all over again. And I have to take that jump and trust that he's going to catch me <laughs> when I go over the edge. <laughs> right. Right, because, yeah, the truth is what totally happened to me is uh, just this realization this is never going to end. My dependence on him is never, ever going to end. Um, and, and as far as I think I've come, if I forget that, oh, boy, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a scary place to be. So, 
So, yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, you, you put it, you know, you use this phrase and I loved it because I've heard that, you know, come to Jesus moment, even though I'm a Northern girl, um, but the almost come to Jesus moments. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, and I, you know, where we're at that place of decision, but whatever it is holding us back, it's like, I want to come to you. I see this, but what's holding me back? Yeah, I think there are those times when we really feel God sort of knocking on our hearts and, and saying, hey, this is something you need to do. This is something you need to change, or this is a risk you need to take, or just a sacrifice you need to make. Um, and and sometimes we shut that door and we kind of try to ignore it, and, and God tends to knock harder. I remember a few years ago, I there was a situation where I had been hurt, and I needed to forgive, and I just wasn't ready to forgive, and I just kept feeling God saying, Elizabeth, you got to let this go. You got to forgive. You got to forgive, and I, and I remember the moment. I was sitting on my bed reading my Bible, and I just was like, okay, God, I'm giving this over. We are not going back here again, you know, and, and I that was my come to Jesus moment. I had a number of almost come to Jesus moments along the way that where I just sort of was like, mm, I'm not ready, right. and God finally got my heart to the right place, and oh my goodness, I felt so free and so light, and I think that's one of the things that we don't realize when we have these almost come to Jesus moments and we shut the door on God, we're locking ourselves up, you know, we're forcing ourselves to stay stuck. And when we come to him and we, whatever it is, whatever the decision is that needs to be made, we forgive, we surrender, we, we take a leap of faith for God, we do something brave for God. There's a great freedom that comes with that. There indeed is, oh my gosh, yeah. And here's, here's the thing. So it's, I, I'm contemplating this even even as I'm saying it out loud. But the reality for me is I've had many almost come to Jesus moments myself um, mm -hmm. where, you know, I, I'm wrestling with whatever, but I haven't quite gotten to that place where, you know, whoa, freedom. But here's the thing that's amazing. Even though I haven't come to that place and I'm almost coming and almost surrendering, he's still there. He is in those moments with me, even when I'm not ready. And kind of like what we were talking about before, where it's not about my strengths, it's not about my weaknesses, it's about him. He's still there. It's not about it's not about me. Yeah, I'm I might be missing out on a on something really cool that comes along with my obedience and my surrender, but he hasn't left me. He's still there in that moment with me. Yeah, and I think it's so powerful when we realize just how patient God is and how kind and, um, you know, he, he, he gives us sometimes the time we need and, and he keeps prompting and he keeps knocking on that, you know, whatever the door is that we're sort of holding the handle and, and, and pulling it closed against him. You know? Right, right. And I, I'm so grateful. I feel like I've seen his patience at work in my heart so many times when I I just haven't been ready to change something. And I've known I've needed to. And I've just kind of been like, oh, not yet, God. And I'm so grateful that he doesn't just run away and say, okay, forget it. Your, right. your chance is 
wasted, you know? Yeah, or it's like, okay, you know, I'll see you when you're ready, you know, bye-bye, you know, but he doesn't do that. He's he's still there, and in some ways that makes it even more difficult because it's then, you know, at least with my pride or whatever it is that I'm struggling with because, you know, just knowing he hasn't given up on me. And it's like, sometimes you're like, why haven't you given up on me? I've given you every reason. But he doesn't, and he is patient, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And, wow, this mm. is such good stuff, good news. Mm-hmm. It's, a bit, it's the best of news, <laughs> realizing that he, oh, his, I think the longer I live, the more aware I am of how big his grace is and and how much of it I use <laughs> and need, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the longer I live, the more grace I need, not the less, I think. Amen, sister. <laughs> so, all right, I have one more thing, one more big thing I want to talk about. Um, so we'll see what we can tackle in this. So, all right, so we've gotten to this place where, all right, so we finally dive in, like, you know, like the the spring with your friend Aaron, all right, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I'm, I'm trusting you, I'm surrendering. But it isn't so very glamorous. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we talk, you talk about, you know, you say we tend to picture a call from Almighty God as some grandiose, glor- glorious exploit, right? Um, but sometimes that's not the case. And, I, yeah, I just want to hear a little bit more from you about that because we get this idea, you know, just it's a social media world, right? And we all have our 15 minutes of fame or we're all doing something we're, I, I guess we're encouraged in some ways, even by our Christian culture, that we've got to make our mark and do something that the whole world will notice. But that's not always the case. Yes. And I think if there is one thing that, that we've got to wrap our brains around, it's this, that, you know, the way of Jesus is is the way of self-sacrifice. And, and sometimes that means taking a back seat. Sometimes that means um, serving quietly behind the scenes. And, and I think, you know, I feel like this, the, the, the title of this book, when God says go, it sounds so big and it sounds so loud, but sometimes it's, it's very quiet and it's very humble. And, and sometimes it's, Hey, I need to step aside so that someone else can fulfill their calling. I need to let go of something I've been doing and pass it on to someone else and 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 hold up someone else's arms as Aaron did, Aaron and her held up Moses' arms um, so that Israel could win a battle. You know, sometimes we're the one holding up someone else's arms and and that's no less wonderful. That is that is our sacrifice, that is our service, that is us going forward for God. Um, but yeah, it may not photograph very beautifully on social media, you know, <laughs> it mm-hmm. may not, it may not sound great on a resume. It may be very quiet and it may be something that only you and God know about, but it's no less valuable to him and it's no less powerful of a calling. Yeah. And I, I think as much, again, this is one of those things you hear it and like, well, of course, of course. Um, but day to day, you know, when we live in this world where everybody's vying for attention, right? Everybody wants that 15 minutes of fame. We we tend to get caught up in this idea that, well, if nobody notices, it must not be important. Or mm-hmm. if I or if I am obedient in this and it doesn't turn out, you know, I don't get a, a million hits or likes or follows or I don't go viral, then I must have failed. Um, mm-hmm. And and 
there's good news, I think, for you and for me and for anybody listening, that God does not measure our success in terms of likes and follows. Thank goodness. Yep. He, uh, you know, I, I, I think often, more often now, even than I used to about all that Jesus talks about, hey, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And, and, and God sees the things that are done secretly and the sacrifices that are made quietly that no one else sees. And, and God honors those things. And, and we need, we need to value those things. And, and, look for the quiet opportunities. It's not always the big, loud, public things. It, sometimes it's humble, it's quiet. It's that conversation that you have with someone who's hurting that you, you're never going to tell anyone about, but you're, you're giving to them and you're encouraging them and you're, you're helping them through a hurt. It's, it's a, a, a sacrifice you make for a family member at home that you're never going to post on social media, <laughs> but God sees it and God is in it and and he values it right and I, and I love that you bring that out because it's so so important you know it makes me think of um it was I think it was Ezekiel right didn't God tell Ezekiel hey I want you to go talk to those hard headed hard-hearted Israelites and by the way they're not going to listen to you so he's already <laughs> he's already telling him you know hey this is this is a, a failure mission but I want you to do it because the point is, it's not about whether we, you know, whether we're, quote, successful or fail or or even if anyone listens to us. If God is telling us to do something and nobody but him knows, then what is success and what is failure? You know, it's, it's contingent on our obedience and our trust. Yeah. Yep, and in the end, God God's opinion is the one that matters. You know, social media's opinion isn't the one that matters. Um, you know, God sees what we're doing, and and if He approves and He says, "Well done, good and faithful servant," whew, that's all the words we need to hear. You know, <laughs> and that's hard because we, you know, we live in a, a people pleasing culture that that tells us very different messages, but. But that, those are the words that we want to seek to hear and that I'm always trying to remind myself, you know, that's, that's what I'm seeking. I'm not seeking the likes. I'm not seeking um, the follows, as you said. I'm seeking well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen. Good stuff. Encouraging stuff. Important stuff. Um, Elizabeth, I, I'm just so, so grateful to have had this discussion with you because I think whoever's listening to this, I, I just know that if if they, if I, if we grasp onto this, it really does change the way we live and, and set us free the way God wants us to live. So let's talk about um, how can we get a hold of this book? It is, it launched uh, just this week, and so it is now available pretty much wherever books are sold, online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Christian Book, um, any of those places, you should be able to pick up a copy, either in, in a store or online. Okay, and yeah. I imagine they probably could find out about it on your blog, so tell us a little bit about your blog. So uh, you can find me at lizzylife.com, and yep, I've got all the book information there. I, I write there a lot about just clinging to Christ in the chaos of daily life, because life is chaotic, and we need Christ in it. <laughs> not, not mine. Oh, wait. Okay. I'm lying again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so you can find me there, and I'm on you know all the different social media outlets as well. 
All right. Well, you heard it. And I, again, hearty endor endorsement for this wonderful book with so much truth, so much honesty. Um, thank you, Elizabeth, for, for sharing because we, you know, we scratched the surface. There's so much more here. Um, and you're, you're fairly vulnerable in, in just sharing your own story in so much of this. And, and I think that's, it's something that we need to see more of because it's what sets people free. I hope so. I figure, hey, if there's, if my weaknesses can be used, well, amen. <laughs> Use them, God. <laughs> so, but thank you so much for having me. I always appreciate your honesty and um, the depth of your faith. It, it really comes through and the questions you ask and, and the way you approach scripture. So I, I always enjoy talking to you. Well, right back at you, and I, and I mean it when I say when the, you know when God says whatever He says next book comes out, I would love to talk to you then. <laughs> I would love it too, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, and God bless. God bless you. Oh, what fun it is to talk to Elizabeth Thompson, and if you like listening to her. Way do you read her book, When God Says Go? You can get it at all the places you like to get your books, but I'm going to suggest you go to her blog, lizzylife.com. Because not only can you pick up her book there, but there's a whole Lizzie Life world that you want to become acquainted with. So there's your assignment. And of course, come visit me in my world at isleofmisfits.com. That's I S L E of Misfits.com for more great conversations like this and other fun stuff as it happens. And please, by all means, help me spread the word by sharing these podcasts and subscribing to the website and telling all your friends whether they're full-blown misfits or just misfit sympathizers. We welcome all. So there's another assignment, should you choose to accept. And your final assignment? You know. Own your awkward. Love your fellow misfits. And embrace the beauty and truth in all the weird and wonderful places it can be found. Rearrange me here and now.